Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And today's special guest, we have Natalia Kent. How's it going? Hey, good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining us, Natalia. We're really excited to chat with you. Before we get into your work, because I've been obsessed with your awesome, she really has like, <laughs> colorful, big prints, um, can you kind of give our listeners a background in yourself and how you got started? Sure. Um, started on this project or started in the Just photography? In, in photography. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, Go way well, back. Yeah. My mom was a really gifted oil painter and she always had an art studio and my mm. dad had an interest in cameras and... I think he let me, he let me use his Polaroid camera when I was like three and four. And I would set up these weird things with like stuffed animals and string yes. and like make these weird sets that I still have those photos. I'm like, wow, that is so weird and sometimes creepy and awesome. And, you know, it just grew from there. Um, they always got me like toy cameras. And then when I was, let's see, 12, um, a neighbor gave me a, an SLR and then another neighbor lent me a background, um, a darkroom kit that I did in my basement at age yes. 13, 14. Um, I went to magnet school in high school for photography. I went to the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. I just, I've just been doing it my whole life, literally my wow. whole life. That's yeah. amazing. I am a deep photo nerd. I worked in a camera store in high school. I just, yeah, deep, deep in that photo zone my whole life. Man, that's so rad. I, I love that. Lucky. I feel yeah. lucky. I think I got a lot of tools really early on. And luckily, because not, not only my family, but my neighbors, they saw that I had this interest. And it's hard to get some of those tools and resources when sure. you're young. Sure. And I was lucky to have a neighbor who was like, hey, here's this little darkroom kit. He was a graphic designer, you know, and people really pool they pitch in when they see that you, yeah. you want something you know and I got my first twins lens reflex in high school when a friend's parents were like we're, we want to give this to you and shoot our wedding as the trade. And I, in high, <laughs> I you were in high school. Wedding. Yeah, I was wow. like, I was 16. And I remember like t definitely missing all the big moments. <laughs> oh, man. Love it. But I got, you know, they gave me a camera. It was fun. So yeah, just like really deep into taking apart cameras and doing the chemicals and alternative processes wow. and anything I could get my hands on. Yeah. Did somebody teach you to do the darkroom? Because I was in, I took a, like the high school darkroom class and that turned into like I want to build my own darkroom under the stairs but I was 17 18 yeah. so yeah. I think that's really really awesome that you were even younger that's awesome I was so young you know Ali Barumand was the guy who gave it to me he kind of showed me what the setup was and what the chemicals were and then a year later I took the freshman darkroom mm -hmm. class yeah. so the the stuff I was doing beforehand was really muddy mm -hmm. and dusty and <laughs> kind of gnarly but yeah. it still got me like playing in the dark with this light sensitive process that was so fun and weird and um yeah so it wasn't it definitely wasn't a smooth first sure <laughs> 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 
Yeah. And yeah, I remember that about when I when I took I took photography like 101 and 102. Like it was like, you know, intro to the camera, then it was the next one was the dark room. Mm-hmm. And I was so scared of like making the chemicals that I always had to develop like once somebody else was in there and they mm. like put together the developer and the fixer and all that stuff cuz I, you know, I've I've said it before on the show. I was like too busy chasing girls in that point of life <laughs> that I I didn't really I liked the outcome and I loved like taking the photos and stuff but I still have some of the prints that I made and the contact sheets and stuff and just like you said it's just like muddy yeah. way too overexposed like you can tell I was not paying attention like yeah. I don't know, it's funny but yeah. that's just crazy to hear that you've been like in it like that yeah. like you knew you knew that you wanted to do this like back when you're like 13 you know yeah, what I mean that's well, that's wild you know, actually, I was really also obsessed with oil painting at the same ah. time. And I was very serious about that. And I was taking night classes at the community college. And I was really like allowed to blossom in those areas. But um, the reason why photography ended up being I, I remember making a choice because I was I was really into portrait painting, but that was very solitary. And with photos, I was starting to take a lot of photos of bands when I was like 14 mm. and 15. Yes, yeah, same. And cause, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like in the punk shows yeah. it was like cool I'm at a squat here's a weird dude with a mohawk I'm Love only 14 it. you know and like <laughs> just seeing this like social bloom and how it got me into a community and I took mug shots of all the people I met and Love it. it was so connective that that really stuck for me like I need something where I'm around people. I don't want to be alone all day in the studio, which is kind of what things are now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I, I also attribute it to a little bit of like, I don't know, I think there's something to the nature versus nurture question. I definitely was nurtured into art, but also my biological father is an oil painter and he's a RISD professor and oh. my mom is an engineer. So she, uh, she worked as an engineer, though she also is a gifted oil painter. And I think if you like consider all of the factors of oil painting and engineering photography is like the exact middle point of all of these <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah. So I think just like in a way, maybe my synapses were really just designed for this kind of thinking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wild. That's awesome. Thank you. So did you study photography in college or was it? Yeah, I went. So like I said, I I, I, I was I actually finished my high school credits early and I tried to do um, community college. I ended up going to the Corcoran early um, for like summer foundation. So I knew in that summer foundations class, that's like what the first year students do mm. often. So I had had that and I loved figure drawing and I loved all of the basic art classes. But because I tracked so early taking night classes at the community colleges and stuff like that, um, I ended up going straight into photography. So yeah, first year at School of Visual Arts was right in the photo program. And is that like photo program as in film photo program like were you shooting film or was it in the digital era yeah. Of time? oh yeah so i went in 1999 i started the uh. school of visual arts and it was very much analog at yeah. that time very awesome. analog and in fact my um the magnet school in high school was so incredible it was like run by one of these old white bearded photo guys that like <laughs> there you couldn't even put your notebook on the table because it was covered in camera gear and he was taking everything apart and putting everything together and in high school i learned how to develop color by hand 
Wow. Not just film, but the paper too. We were all, that's when we were terrified because we were like, oh my God, it has to be 90 degrees or whatever. (laughs) That's why I don't do it. It was so hard. It was so hard, but it was awesome because he was like, nope, if you want to do this, you have to get it right and then you can experiment because I always wanted to like just do weird stuff and experiment. And he was like, nope, you have to be a master at all of these ends of this. And I learned like how to use a pro photo light kit in high school Mm -hmm. and it was a really, really awesome program. Um, yeah. So then I went into I went into the school of visual arts that just had incredible new dark rooms and everything set up for like just the state of the art newest stuff. But it was all analog at that time, and I was yeah. I was immediately going towards um, the four by five Polaroid stuff because mm-hmm. I could really experiment with that four by five and also re- like regular film four by five. And then I was also really excited about eight by ten. Mm. and 8x10 film and 8x10 negative uh, Polaroid negative and stuff like that just to be there during the prime I know I was gonna say I'm so jealous yeah I was lucky I I look back and I thought like oh this is just what everyone gets Mm -hmm. but I really (laughs) I mean I knew I was very focused from a very early age Um, so I I felt really I feel really lucky for that trajectory yeah for for me uh, I talk about my photography school experience it was 2003 when we started and it was like right in the beginning of like this digital thing is like we should start looking into this so at the beginning of the year we all got our Mamiya 645 as part of our tuition like these big medium format cameras and then by the end of it everybody was buying like the newest like SLR digital SLR which at that time was a 10D Canon 10D for for me oh right right and where did you go to school so I went to school. It no longer exists, but it was the Hallmark Institute of Photography. Oh, cool. Yeah. And where, where's that? That was in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. Oh, cool. And it was like a okay. ten, 10 month like boot camp type of course where you learned everything, like the dark room yeah. and you learned like how to build a website. You learned business, like all the things you could have needed to know, especially for that that time. But yeah, they've closed now, which is like super sad, but. Yeah, I remember oh, yeah. we were we spent half the year in the dark room where, you know, years prior it was all dark room, you know. So yeah. 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 I graduated in two thousand three and in that last year we were starting to get Photoshop classes mm-hmm. and I just was like I would honestly I would heckle the professor yeah. <laughs> because it was so bad. It was like the, the uh-huh. dune graphic but it yeah. was so pixelated and like drop the moon into the dune scene and we were just like this <laughs> is like, a what? nightmare yeah. yeah like what is this yeah i hated it but the reality is like i did use those skills right out of school mm-hmm. i started shooting for a studio the year i got out of school and it was actually helpful because that was like the very beginning of e-commerce and digital sure. catalogs online mm. and that kind of stuff so um i fought it because I just wanted to shoot four by five, but <laughs> it's where the market went, you know. Right. Did you did you do the e- e-commerce stuff for long? So I worked right out of school for this really quirky company called Gotta Have It in Midtown Manhattan. <laughs> I mean, I think it's I think it was quirky. It's a it's a great company. They were really sweet. I shot the first day I was there, I photographed the dress that Madonna wore in the Material Girl oh, cool. music video. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and the, I think those files I was shooting were like two megabytes. Right, or, right. Jeez. <laughs> at the most, uh-huh. at the most. Um, and we were inventing it. It's like we were trying to use the studio skills from the 4x5 like large mm-hmm. studio darkroom to make something that looked decent on digital with like Lowell continuous light. You know, it just yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it was very slapdash. Things are so much more high end now, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what what brought you to where you are now mm-hmm. with these like big, colorful pieces? Like, how did you go from just like you know normal photography? Yeah, to quotes. This, like, <laughs> they are quotes. Yeah, yeah. This like amazing. Well, I mean, I can totally see now you saying the oil paint mm-hmm. influence and stuff like that. Like that totally makes sense now. But yeah, how did you get here? How did you get to doing this project? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I always was interested in alternative processes and you know in school and like i i was always interested in breaking down what the mechanisms of photography were and like i love i love a beautifully classic formal photo but i also think just digging deep into like the materiality of something is really fun and I have to say, like, actually, because I was tracked so hardcore in photography until school and after school, I actually spent a bunch of years just playing in bands and doing like drawing Mm, and experimental um, installation art. Yeah, it was super awesome. It was like the art world in New York in the mid 2000s was just like, here's all the resources you need. Make weird stuff. We we want it, you know? Yeah. And sign me up. Yes, I mean, it was a super fun experimental time, like playing weird underground punk shows and making weird art and a lot of silkscreen and just weird, colorful. I was a part of a group called Assume Vivid Astrofocus, and that was like super maximal, crazy installations. And, and I have to say, I think in some ways, like the larger pieces that I'm doing now are informed by the kind of joy I felt in walking into a room filled with these colorful wallpapers that were just... Wow. They were just like, whoa, life is colorful and vibrant and alive and weird and subversive and beautiful and ugly. And <laughs> I, I I don't consider myself a maximalist, but I gained a lot from those collaborations in that period. And um, when I did come back to photography, I kind of, I did some film, but I did a lot of digital as like a practical, okay, sure. I need to, I because I, my work, like I support myself through digital commercial work, but I also started driving, I was living in Providence, Rhode Island, I started driving down to the darkroom in New York once a month and just playing and just being like, here I am. And I I did a long research project at NASA, who was like five years of digging into their archives. And I started finding these um, eight by 10 negatives of the surface of Venus. Whoa. Yeah. I was taking those <laughs> down to the darkroom, printing those in their 8x10 and larger. And then they just were so beautiful. And it was like falling in love again with my original medium. It was like, here's these beautiful grays and these grayscales, but they're actually radar images. And what does this mean? What is photography? These aren't topographic. These are actually yeah, texture yeah. maps. And it was a way for me to dig back into like, questioning what my medium was, getting back into the spaces of process. And and because they were not topographic straight images, they were these texture maps. I was like, well, there's something false about these images. So I started playing with flashlights and reflective materials in the darkroom. And that led to eventually being like, I don't need these negatives. What I need to do is just play with what the materiality of chromogenic paper is. And Mm, I started spending more time in the darkroom. And in that time, I moved to LA. And I have to say that the light in LA really has informed me. It's informed my experience and my process and my understanding of color and sunset and midday. And 
I think all those things really come in together. And um, I also have a very heavy meditation practice that I've been doing for about six years. And I started bringing all of those things into the dark room. I started meditating. I started thinking about light differently. And then one day this kind of just popped. It just opened up and happened. And I made a lot of space for it. And I followed the yeses. And then this project happened. Man. That's so you you are using or is it like an R4? What is it like R4A or something? What is the process that you use for these? What's wait? So sorry, what's R4A? <laughs> is it or what, what is it called? Like RA4 or something? It's like the the color. It's like a wet color print that I have a oh. an old Omega like developing head that uses. It says like suggestive use of that kind of. I didn't know what the what the paper was that you're using for this because you're using like you're in a dark room making these right yeah i'm in so. the pitch black color dark room yeah, yeah which yeah. feels like oh i'm back in high school I'm yeah, like, yeah, 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 my, like teenage yeah. love actually it's so there's so much excitement and love when i'm in that color dark room um and discovery always but so i don't i don't use an enlarger but i do use um for the smaller prints i use fuji crystal archive Mm, and okay. then I actually can't source Fuji Crystal Archive in the 50-inch wide rolls. I ended up, um, what is it? It's, no, it's a, it's Fuji. Um, it is a Fuji, but it's not Crystal Archive. And it, I want to say Endora, but I'm pretty sure that's the Kodak paper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a paper that they use luckily in commercial printing, which is why okay. they, we still have it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. all these papers are going away. Um, but companies that still do commercial C printing use this one because it's very high contrast, high saturation. So, um, so I print on either one of those two papers, and then um, and then I send it into a color processor. Um, I like you know carry it out in the black box, and then go into the dark room, and then feed it into the color processor. Wow! So Fancy. I'm not doing any of the like chemical processing by hand. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's what I was wondering. I was wondering if you were like tray dipping everything, keeping <laughs> it to temperature no. and all that wild stuff. I I think that could be fun, but I think what that is is a it's a little more of a liquid process. Yeah. And my, yeah. you know, you can see my prints are very clean, and that's because of that mechanical aspect. Mm-hmm. Oh, know? that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, it would be like splashy if you were. I, I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think you end up getting a lot of different kinds of aberrations, which I love. I think anytime you open up the process, it can lead to something. But these are definitely about moving and light and color and the color depth that the, that paper can get, which mm-hmm. I think is its own. It's kind of for me like an ode to that medium, which is yeah. chromogenic paper. And how long are we even going to have chromogenic yeah. paper? You know, another sad aspect of this thing of losing yet another <laughs> wonderful. I was I was going to say that like kind of leads me into my next question. Is this like a temporary, like a, a project you, you have like, I'm going to do it for this amount of time? Or like, are you going to do it till you can't anymore kind of thing? You know, somehow projects have never, I've been asked that question on a lot yeah, of interviews sure. and I'm like, I don't know yeah. if, if I go there and it feels good, then I'll do it. Like I said earlier, pr- art is so much about following the yeses for yes. me. And it's just like, oh, here's this thing. It doesn't look right, but there's a yes there. So I'm going to keep going. And there's another yes. And then there's another yes. And then for me, there's this harmony that can unfold. And then you're like, this is it. This is the yes I was going towards. Mm. There's still yeses. And and as I still am in the dark room, I'm still like, yes, this feels good. (laughs) This is great. I'm still loving it. I'm also in a moment where I'm trying to be real about 
I have a tendency, like I could just make work. I could just be in the chat room and make work and like no one would ever see it. So I am also in a moment where I'm like, okay, let me also put this out there. Let me do the Instagram thing. Let me talk to people. I have a residency. People are seeing the work every weekend. I'm showing them my process. I'm also in like a quote unquote output period where it's like, let's get more people to kind of see this work and be a part of this in some kind of way. I love that. Do you think that will lead to like maybe a book or like like uh, more shows or? Yeah, I'm, I'm open. I would love if somebody wanted to do a book. I love right now I'm teaching these workshops where I lead the meditation that I do in the dark room. And then Mm. we're doing cyanotypes outside because that's what we have um, access to. Um, And I'm loving just being in that meditative state that I work in and seeing what people do and kind of opening that up. We're also going to do like drawing stuff. And this is the moment where it's like, okay, I'm in the weird mix of like messy, who knows what's going to happen with this stuff. I have no idea. I have no idea. And that's, that's great. That's a part of the process. Yeah, I think that's like one of the joys of it is when you know, you just kind of let it happen. Mm -hmm. Let it let it do its thing. Yeah, I love that you bring the like the meditation and stuff into this because I I shoot predominantly like personal work you know what I mean like my photography is solely for me like yeah I'll do a couple things for for friends or family or whatnot but I am strictly like for me and it's more of like a mental health thing Mm -hmm. than anything because you know life sucks sometimes and (laughs) the best the best time is when I grab my camera or when I'm you know developing film or scanning film not not much scanning but you know the just like uh, I would love to learn some like meditation stuff while doing that Mm. because I'm sure that would intensify everything a lot you know that's really cool that you're teaching that as well yeah I think the meditation in general um has just kind of opened me up to what my experiences are on a deeper level. Mm. And um, I think, you know, as I I did some training, like formal training with meditation. And I think the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, well, this is just what artists do naturally, actually. Mm. But meditation gives you another channel to like open up space that I think You know, I think really great art for me that I've experienced or feel that I've made the things I love. I feel like I'm opening up a channel to something bigger than myself, some kind of mysterious other, some kind of like, I don't know, energy source or something. Mm -hmm. And I think when you meditate or like, you know, do the like morning pages, or maybe it's just a walk in nature, you can, you just kind of widen those gaps where that that energy can flow in and um you i think you do experience it in a different way you know wow that's cool yeah i'm just thinking like even even taking the time just to like let your creative juices flow per se you know like let your mind really you know because life gets chaotic and just to to, like take time to be like i'm a creative person i need to zone in (laughs) on that you know let this in Yeah. yeah Yeah. And I think you you build methods over the years, right? Like everyone has their style. And I mentioned morning pages because I've been given The Artist's Way, which is that book by Julia Cameron. I've been given it Mm. many times in my life, but I'm finally reading it now. And it's actually (laughs) really great. Like learning about doing morning pages, like maybe 
when you wake up, you just let yourself write three pages of whatever. Mm. And it's just a kind of meditation. And it's a kind of check in like, what are you worried about? What are you excited about? Yeah. And then she also talks about the artist date. And the artist date is like once a week, you have to do something that is like, fun or freeing or whatever it is, you take yourself on a date, and that lets you have some playtime or you know, whatever. And it's just making space for that spirit to be like, okay, this is a fun thing that we're doing. Right, are, right. Are, yeah. Isn't right. always a punishing thing where there's expectations and productivity and there should be play in this too. You what, know? What's the name of that? But we love book recommendations on this podcast, yeah, by the way. So. The, yeah, it's called The Artist's Way. And I think it was written, I want to say in the 80s or 90s, but I mean, there's, it's like millions and millions of copies have been made at this point. Mm. And I'm going to check that one out. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because there's this other podcast that I like a lot, which is actually more about meditation, but it's also about business practice and mm. it's called um, Reboot. And they talk about the artist pages a lot, the morning pages a lot. And um, I think it's a great practice. If you don't meditate, it's a way to like have a form of meditation. I love that. Yeah, because I always, when I write out my schedule, I do like the whole like iPhone calendar schedule with work and I, you know, put the show on here. If I have something that I'm doing, I always put the schedule. But at the beginning of each week, I always copy paste like, I think it's at like seven o'clock in the morning. I give myself an hour to write, read, look at something that's not just like YouTube and, (laughs) you know, just like kind of vegging out like normal, you know, I kind of give myself like an hour of being productive, but not like crazy productive you know what I mean like just like I I agree with that like just sitting down and you know writing about your experiences or day or what you want to do but you know it's just it, that's huge it's to give important. yourself that yeah 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 that's cool that you have an hour every day that's right. so great I, you have to wake up stupid early to do it yeah. but, you know i i try i try it's not that i reach it every day but i like to hit it especially when you know if i if i work that morning or something it makes going into work not as grueling mm-hmm. <laughs> as it you yeah. know i feel like i've at least accomplished something yeah. towards like you know art and yeah, it just that kind of that kind of jazz. Yeah, and even just an hour, like chunking out yeah. the time. Like we don't all have ten hours a day to be in the mm-hmm. studio, right? But that doesn't mean that you can't still widen your channels of art making and experience and practice. And yeah, even if it is just sitting and like reading a book or mm-hmm. meditating, that's still a part of the practice. Yeah, for sure. So tell us about this. Is this the residency you're talking about? Is the one at the Camera Obscura, right in Santa yeah. Monica? Yeah. How did that come about? And how long is it? You've got it going on for a while, right? Yeah, it's it's so wild. It's a three month residency. Congrats. Um, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super fun. It's like my studio's right below at one of you know, like a real old school camera obscura. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I walk by it all the every time I'm in Santa Monica, I walk by it and I'm always like, I gotta go in there. Like You have to yeah. go in. Oh my gosh. Um it's incredible. Are you are you based in LA? Yeah, I'm in, in LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you have to go in. It's beautiful because they really they built it nicely. It's like a nice black room. And then there's this circle in the center mm-hmm. and you turn the wheel and the circle moves too. Ooh, it's very yeah. mesmerizing. Yeah. yeah, it's super fun. And, you know, it's that weird camera obscura thing where you feel like you're kind of watching TV. Yeah, people yeah. Are moving. But you're like, no, but I know it's live. Right, and right. The palm <laughs> trees move. It's so surreal. It's so amazing. There's and also a camera obscura at the observatory. Oh, that's right. Too, like a that's small, right. small one. But yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, yeah, mm-hmm. like the little one. Yeah, yeah. 
It's cool. They're wild. They're wild. (laughs) Yeah. And it's neat to think like its roots are actually for painters, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that residency, it's actually just an open application and it's open right now. And I highly suggest people living in LA or if someone wants to come visit LA, I don't know what those stipulations on where you have to be a resident, but it's an open application. It's open right now. And basically... What it is, is I'm teaching a workshop every weekend, every Saturday. So um, like I said, the meditation and the cyanotypes. And then I just have this like open all glass walled yeah. <laughs> studio, which is like awesome in some ways because it's like, cool, it's its own camera. And then it's also yeah. <laughs> so much light. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God, my eyes are burning. <laughs> it's intense. It's right. I mean, I'm watching the ocean. I'm watching the marine wow. layer fade. I'm watching gorgeous. the sun move. It's it's incredible. It's a true it's a true gift. And I'm just playing in there. I'm just making space for, you know, I just threw a backdrop up. I just put some filters up and a lot of my plays in the dark room. So I'm a little bit like, hmm, where do, what do I want to do here? But it's just another play space and I, I feel super lucky and it's great. So yeah, three more months. I'm there until November 12th. Wow. I know. I'll definitely, Chris, I'll definitely, I know, that. I know. Yeah. I'm going to, I'll be yeah. there. I'll be there. I'm going to make time to come do that for yeah, sure. Yeah, come by for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and anybody else in LA, can... all of our LA listeners, Yeah, we should all go together. <laughs> yeah. the wor- And the workshops are on Saturdays and they're listed on the Santa Monica um, Cultural Affairs website. So definitely sign oh, cool. up. They're free and they're fun and you'll make a cyanotype. Yeah. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah, right? So um, one more question about your prints. Well, maybe not one more question, but are you selling these? Are they like one of a kind? Yeah. So they're one of a kind. Um, So the movement artifact is what it's called. And that's really about how I'm in the darkroom moving and shining lights and making shadows. And I do my meditation and um, each one is one of a kind. Um, I was getting a lot of requests from friends and people that can't pay at the gallery prices. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I do now have a, a small edition. And those are at a little bit more accessible price point for people who can't quite pay for the originals. Right. So yeah, so now there's a set of edition prints that come in 8x10 or 16x20. But then I, I do have original 8x10s, original 16x20, original 20x24, and then 50x76 are the large. Um, wow. Man. Yeah, fifty by seventy. Yeah, I love that. Right? I love it. It's super fun when you walk in front of it. You're like, wow, this is a portal. So right. yeah. coming out. <laughs> it's, it's a real gift. Like when I that was the first time that I actually invested in that size paper with this project, and it was you know it's a risk because you're like, wow, I'm going to spend six hundred dollars on Oof, this roll yeah. of paper that maybe this is too much for me, and it, it was like. It's like a hundred pounds just to lift it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. I was like crying the first day. In the oh, I, can, I believe it. Yeah, like I can't move this, and what if someone walks in and it was uh, so the whole thing's ruined? But it was so opening to be like, wow, I can have all of this space and work with all of this space and material. And for once, I felt like. I was dipping into the freedom that sculptors or painters can have by not being constricted by this like small zone that we often are when we print in the dark right. room, you know? Yeah. So I love, I love that project. I feel super happy for it. And 
Yeah, super fun. Are the big the big ones hung anywhere? Where they, where, like, do you have any shows? So not right now. Okay. Um, I did have another show up downtown at this space called Ladies Room. Um, and she's doing a group show. I believe it opens in September. And that is about art and the occult. And I think something about the sun. So, um, so there will be one of the larger ones hanging at that in September. Cool. Man, that yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah. Sounds- yeah. Annie Wharton is a curator here in LA and she's great. She's been dipping into a lot of awesome work and she's showing actually this photographer's prints from um, this photographer was the like friend slash in-house photographer for that cult, um, the Source family. Do yeah. you guys know about that? Yeah. Yes. Wild. Yes. yes. I, what is that? I don't know. Well, I didn't see it, but there's a documentary online somewhere about this family in LA. And I think it's this guy had like a hundred wives or what? Yeah. I don't know. Do you know the story better? I, don't I know. didn't, I didn't watch it, but okay. I've seen, I've seen it. I've seen it, but we're, uh, we're, we're big cult fans in this house. So we try to watch <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> True crime stuff too. I'm gonna yeah. Have to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch. I've seen it a bunch of times though. So now I'm definitely gonna have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. The show should be great if you guys are in LA. Um, yeah, so I'll I think it's by. the first time these, these photos are going to be shown and she's showing them in conjunction with a few contemporary people who are also working with like mysticism. And since my meditation practice dips into that and yeah 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 so that'll be september and i have i have smaller prints in the um in the residency that are out for people to see oh cool 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 yeah yeah do you ever shoot any traditional stuff anymore though like any you know do you just like like i carry a camera around with me everywhere i go do you you still find yourself doing anything like that now or you just kind of zone focused in on this this project at the moment i do um I have a Pentax 6.7 that I mm. really love. And um, so I'm super into surfing. And nice. <laughs> it's yes. an obsession that just kind of came around for me um, over the last year. And I bought I bought a really long lens for that camera. And I'm hoping to yeah. like, yeah, I'm hoping to spend some time doing that stuff. Um, if I travel like on more, I went up to Big Sur and I wasn't surfing there. So I took some photos up there. You know, I do... I love film. I love getting film developed. I love the whole process of exposure, light meter, Mm -hmm, all of that mm -hmm. stuff. Um, So I do... I am experimenting a little bit with that stuff. I also have a commercial practice that I shoot still life product work. Ah, okay. And I've also been working like in museums and cultural heritage for since I was out of undergrad. So I have a very, very technical side to my practice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the museum work is like you have to really know color science and the technical aspects of, um, of, of you know art imaging um and yeah. that appeals to me uh, what i like about the product work is it gets a little more creative and fun and weird and splashy and yeah yeah so that's the flip side to my fine art practice is this commercial practice yeah yeah mm-hmm. cool yeah yeah i had a i had a friend she's a pretty pretty popular painter here in town and she was just like hey can you take some photos of my paintings one of these days and i'm like oh yeah no i was gonna say I don't uh-uh. know. <laughs> that seems like to make it look 
perfect she, and you know geez, you're a black and white seems... guy like sure i'll do them in black and white <laughs> yeah, yeah do you want black and whites done <laughs> sure i got gotcha. you yeah oh it's intense i mean yeah i believe it i believe it like i said right out of school i was um shooting those weird objects and that kind of started me on that path and i started working for galleries and artists and museums but it was a challenge it was definitely an uphill for a mm. long time yeah, and i bet I worked with the Harvard Art Museums for years. I learned a lot there. I'm working on a project with the Getty. You know, there, it's now it's like, I really do love it, but it's certainly, um, it's a, it's a very specific process. But again, I think it's that like engineering side of the brain. And I, I do find yeah. it really fun and engaging. And you get to be in the room with Manet's and hold a Bauhaus yeah. sculpture. And, oh, yeah. that's so crazy. That's yeah. So I love that just like, no matter like what aspect you're like around art or like creating art. Yeah, I mean, I grew up going to museums and, you know, I grew up in the DC area and they're just all the free museums. Mm -hmm. My parents were really about that kind of culture and... Yeah, actually, last year I had a really favorite project with the culture heritage, cultural heritage stuff, which is that I photographed. Did you guys know about the glass flowers at the Harvard Herbarium? Mm -mm. So no. in, in 1886 to 1936, this father and son, these glass blowers, made these incredibly realistic. You can't tell the difference between a plant and these objects. Whoa, wow. four thousand objects. They look exactly like if you if you had a dandelion on the table next to one of these, you would not tell it apart until That's you. You took crazy. a microscope to it. They're incredible. So they were commissioned by the Harvard Botany Department to make teaching models for students because it's before photos and it's before any kind of right. actual preservation. So it's like a flattened flower or a grayed out flower from being in a book or a jar wasn't going to cut it. Right, so right. Yeah. I highly suggest looking at it up. They're called the yeah. Blaschka Glass Plants and Flowers. And I just photographed a book of that work. Very highly creative with the amazing curator there, Jenny Brown. And that's going to be coming out next year on Scala Press. So I'm very excited about that. Wow. I'm just like picturing like what 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 like one day on set for that must have been like just like it was so intense. I mean, just like being around something glass that was. Like, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like I'd be like, don't bring it near me. Don't like. It. Yes, yes, <laughs> and it's laying on a sheet of glass so that Jeez. I can light it from oh below. Goodness. It was incredible. I wow. mean, had I not had you know 15 years of experience i mean you you really have to be a very specific person to do that project yeah. for sure oh, I, I can't wait to check that out that sounds amazing yeah yeah totally there's some images on my commercial site which is um subject object manifest so there's like a little preview on there cool oh, yeah we'll have to check that yeah, out. yeah for we'll sure. link that below too yeah yeah We'll be right back with a listener question for Natalia after this message from our sponsor. Support for Analog Talk also comes from Polaroid Originals. Go to PolaroidOriginals.com and use the offer code ANALOGTALK10 at checkout to receive 10% off your next purchase. All right, guys, this is the part of the show where we break off and take a question from one of our listeners. And this is a show friend. This one comes from Chris Visser. And he asks, he says, um, your work is so colorful, but do you have any interest in black and white? I want to know this, too. So I, I'm like strictly black and white. <laughs> and I like that your screen is black and white, yeah. too. <laughs> Can you tell I'm into it a little bit? You're into it. Um, well, like I said, with um, the, I was doing these Venus prints earlier, mm. and those were these radar 8x10 images that just had these crazy, gorgeous um gradients of black and white. And I do, I am really drawn to that. I think 
I think that black and white does something to the brain that I don't actually think we understand. There's something mm. about super high contrast. I was in a painting show with my friend Claire a couple weeks ago. And um, there were these gorgeous black and white Sumi ink paintings. And we just, my eye just kept going back to them. And I was like, there's something happening in the brain that I don't understand. And I love this. And I do yeah. love black and white. I think this project right now is definitely about the chromogenic paper mm -hmm. and yeah. the way light interacts with it. And I'm working with those materials and those questions. But I definitely... I, I have black and white projects on my website um, and I can see something going in that direction if the yeses take me there. That's cool. a great answer. Yeah, I could see like the color paper being like way more sensitive too because black and white I feel like is, it, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you do what you do in there, but I just could imagine <laughs> it being like totally like washed out. I don't know how you would do like a gradient like that with playing with like, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that's cool. I'm just trying to think, <laughs> think about how how you would make it like that. Like, I don't know. That's cool. That's cool. That's, a, that's an awesome answer because I, I feel the same way. I feel like, I mean, obviously like I am 100%. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love color too. And mm -hmm. I love seeing like extreme vivid color or just like pale color. Like I feel like it tells so much more of a story like when you use color the reason why i love black and white so much is because it keeps things like timeless yeah you know, like if you take a picture you know of an old car in 2019 it could be you know 1957 or something yeah. like that mm. like you don't know like that's why i love the black and white process so much because mm. i just feel like it keeps it timeless but yeah with um because you're shooting does black and white give it a level of abstraction that takes it out of the real that makes it feel more mm. interesting for you is that yeah. it yeah yeah i think so i think so so because i'm working with abstraction it maybe needs a little more of the real yeah mm. yeah i didn't even <laughs> yeah yeah, because I feel like I know it sounds like overplayed and overused, but the word cinematic, like I feel like when I shoot black and white, like I'm shooting very like like cinematically, like just like it's like a part of a movie. And I always try to like make my stuff look like that. Like I always have a theme to what I what I shoot towards. And, you know, I do try different stuff yeah. every once in a while, but it it's always the same thing. I always go back to the same thing when I'm shooting black and white. Like mm -hmm. it's, I don't know. I feel like it's like a, like a story in each photo. Like I'm not the best at shooting like a body of work. I feel like I'm better with a single image most of the time, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm better at storytelling with black and white. It's easier for me. It's kind of how I see kind of thing. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. like when there's color involved, I'm so distracted mm -hmm. when it comes to shooting it. I'm like, oh man, that, big green trees in the background and that's all I can look at now <laughs> instead of like the the embrace that's going on like mm. on the street or something like that I don't know it's weird it's a weird it's a weird thing I think black and white definitely has it has a way of letting you when you say some cinematic I actually think mood I was gonna say the same thing yeah mm. moody for me because I shoot a lot of color and then when mm -hmm. I do shoot the black and white I'm like oh this is so moody I should shoot more of this mm. like that's like mm -hmm. the right word Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you, for me, movies like give me these moods, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. you walk yeah. out of a good movie and you're like, wow, I yeah. feel dreamy or I feel so sensitive, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and I yeah. used to call it movie mood, like when a really good, when I was a kid, a really good movie would just floor me, yeah. you know, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and a good photo can do that too. And I think it's, I think it's mood. I think it's like emotion and mood and um black and white makes it more graphic so you're reading more about kind of what's happening in a way you know yeah yeah i do link a lot of emotion to color i have to say mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. think i think 
especially with my work, I think there's something very kind of like unknown that happens when you look at it. But I think there's, I don't know, maybe joy or confusion or questioning that you see when you see those planes of color out in the world, you know, and, and I notice it too. I'm like, wow, there goes the city bus and it's bright blue and orange. (laughs) Is that doing the same thing my photo's doing? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. It's a bus. Everyone gets to look at it. Cool. You know, and I think color does have like, it has effects on us, you know? And that's for, for, for sure. you and I, you know, in LA, like, because I think one of the reasons why I shoot so much color is because it got these blue skies and like, you know, the yeah. green and all the crazy colors. Yeah. So yeah, I, I have to like, I mean, for a while I was like, I'm gonna, this week I'm gonna shoot a black and white role because I just never did. And yeah. now it's, now black and white has been more like in, in my like repertoire, you, you would say. Um, I do a lot of work with this musician and anytime we're in the studio, it's like I only bring black and white. Because oh, cool. moody, you want the moody like yeah. artsy, you know? And indoor, I think black and white makes a lot of sense. But when you said that, I was like, wow, LA is the city of color. Yeah. And New York is the city of black and white. Yep, I can see that. I don't know. We don't have to put them in categories, yeah. obviously. New York is filled <laughs> with beautiful color, but um, New York lends itself to like something classic mm-hmm. like that. And LA yeah. kind of is more like 60s, 70s, yes. pop, oversaturation, Hollywood, yep. color, crazy. And that's what I love about it. Right. Yeah. Me too. Totally. Totally. That, I mean, that makes sense. I'm from, I'm from the East Coast, so I'm, yeah. you know. I'm disgruntled and moody. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the Got East that Coast chip too. On my shoulder. Hey, I am too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just letting that's LA why... do its thing through me. Right. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, that's cool. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. So that I guess that's going to bring us to the second half of the listener interaction. And um, the first question is always um, desert island. You could only take one camera with you. What what camera is it going to be? Wow. One camera. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's unlimited film and developing <laughs> and all that is. fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, lab yeah. is still there. The lab's yeah, still the there. Lab, the lab, it's like there's the a tiki lab. It's yep. right? actually <laughs> yeah. the photo yeah. lab. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well, if I was on a desert island, that would mean I would have all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. So mm. because 4 by 5 takes a long time, I would probably go back to that. I would probably go back to my field camera or you know um yeah i would actually or i would okay can i do an or yeah 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 <laughs> yep, i would yep. i would do an eight by ten with like a nice long telephoto lens that had a good mm. macro setting so i could play mm. with like not a super long telephoto but like maybe a 200 because i think that's probably in the somewhat prime range for a 8 by 10 camera yeah um with a really really strong macro setting um uh, definitely some extension tubes because i like to play with extra extra macro um and then uh maybe a wide angle lens too just so that i could recognize or like interact with the landscape so that's my long answer (laughs) it's a good one camera yeah love eight by ten yeah still still haven't been able to shoot it but i love researching it and lusting after oh there's nowhere to rent an eight by ten camera i mean i'm sure there is i have a four five i have a really nice toyo that i that i shoot but yeah yeah, is it a field the field camera i've got a Mm -hmm. oh yeah that's what i have too yeah Yeah, i love that camera so much yeah i haven't shot that since photography school yeah it's a project on it. i should uh, it is. It is. rent one too mm-hmm. chris do you want to do you want to give the second yeah the half second of half question? of this 
uh, favorite camera question. It's kind of your white whale camera. Or is there anything you're like lusting after right now, but you don't own, but you've always wanted? Well, because my creative process is sans camera, mm. I have to say that if I could buy a camera, it would actually be for my commercial work because I love that work too. And that mm -hmm, is a creative mm -hmm. process for me as well. Um, I would buy the newest Hasselblad camera. Oh, yeah, the newest yeah, yeah. medium oh, format. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, what they're calling it now. We I used to have an H4, um, but I don't know whatever the top one is, the like 100 megapixel four shot um Hasselblad it's so a that beast be of a camera yeah yeah <laughs> um I worked at Harvard and that's what I shot with there and um and I was a part of the purchasing purchase, purchasing process so I know a lot about their programs and like the in-depth color science of what they're running right now oh, and cool. I really I love the look of that camera I did a lot of comparisons with like the um the capture one equivalent mm -hmm. and um i really think Hasselblad it's just got a beauty and a um a yeah they're, they're like it. the the leading ones for for the medium format digital right like I they, they were leading i do think to be honest fujifilm has a new medium okay. format that's really affordable actually mm -hmm. Um, and Zeiss makes their lenses, like it's the same manufacturer. So if you want something that's a little bit more priced for right. <laughs> accessibility, I do think that's like, everything is totally changing. So right, quickly. right, right, right. Have, there's so many medium format cam digital cameras that are happening now. And I think they're beautiful. Um, staying on the analog talk, <laughs> since that's the theme, I, you know, I know that swaying into digital, but I, I love digital too. I think it's its own, I think it's a different medium, to be honest. I think it's yeah. like a different idea, a different medium. Um, so I'm not lusting after an analog thing right now. Um, but because I, I don't know, I think there's access to most things, you know? That's true. Yeah. yeah. Good answers. Good yeah, answers. yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a uh, yeah. This was a great great episode, Natalia. Thank for thanks for for joining us. We really uh, this is really refreshing to talk about art in this way. So, thank you. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah, I'm so um, honored to be a part of this show. I love um, I love the people that I meet through that intersection of like photography mm -hmm. and art making and like it takes a certain kind of thinker. And it takes a certain kind of mind that I'm always like, ooh, you're a nerd like me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. Yeah. So I'm psyched. And yeah, if people have questions, they can reach out. And, yeah. Where um, can uh, everybody, do you have a website and an Instagram? Where can everybody yeah. check you out? Website, Instagram, um, website's nataliakent.com, Instagram, Natalia underscore Kent. Um, and you guys, I guess you'll link some stuff yes, too. Yeah, absolutely. we'll link it all below. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, right. for awesome. sure. And Timothy, where can everybody check you out? Guys, you can find me on Instagram. It's at Timothy Makeups. And I also make film photography related YouTube videos. You can just go to youtube.com, go to the search bar, just type in timothy.makeups or Timothy Makeups, whatever you want to do. There's some videos there. I got some new stuff on the way. Chris, where are you at? So I'm Crispy Photo on most of the things Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And then we have Analog Talk Pod on Twitter, Analog Talk Podcast on Instagram, and we have a Facebook page and a group. And that's it. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thanks again, Natalia. We really appreciate Thank it. This you. is awesome. What a treat. Yay. <laughs> Bye, guys.
All right, first off, Chris and I would like to thank Natalia for being on the show. This was a bit of a different episode, more focused on art and just, I, I don't know, it had a really good vibe to it. I'm really happy with how this came out. And, you know, thanks again, Natalia, for being on the show, talking about your awesome, colorful, beautiful art images. And guys, that brings us to Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. We are rolling out some new stuff over there. We're going to be posting the week's episode a day early if you are a Patreon. And so Tuesdays, the show will come out for Patreons only. Uh, we're going to be doing some live stream stuff like we've talked about for a while. Uh, going to be doing, uh, there's the print giveaway section. There's, I'm still going to be trying to post the videos. We do videos for these. If we get approval from the guests to post the video, I'll post the unedited video as well. There's just a bunch of stuff over there, and your support means absolutely everything to us. Thanks for all the Patreons who have already joined, and thanks to the Patreons who will join in the future. We appreciate every single one of you, and we will see you next week, guys. Yeah. Cool. All right. Have a good week. See you soon. Later.